Give the gift of laughter this season with Better Buddies. And welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's John. Hello. And James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. Who are your favorite creatives, musicians, authors, podcasters, filmmakers, etc., of the opposite sex? Oh. Yeah. Damn. That's hard. I prepared one for the show. Go for it, John. Uh, my answer to this question is Lena Rain, the um, the video game composer. Oh, she did this soundtrack for Celeste and then some of the more recent Minecraft music, like Pigstep and Other Side. I uh, I had uh, two that I was gonna go for. Two, three, okay, three. Uh, one Beth May of Dungeons okay. and Daddies. Really good performer. Took to the Dungeons and Dragons. Good with being funny. Great stuff. Two. Felicia Day. Felicia Day? Yeah, Felicia Day. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Was a great mad scientist. Really brought some life to the show and energy. And made it like... She had a really good balance of doing the evil comedy and like being the evil villain who abuses the hench people. Without being unlikable for her abuse of the hench, hench people. Uh, came across much more as like a frustrated, like, everybody else is incompetent. Despite the fact that she's also inco- her character is also incompetent. Um, and then for music, I went with da- the band Daisy the Great. Uh, it's a musical duo of two women. They I discovered them actually about a, a little over a year ago. And really enjoy their stuff. It's a, very, a little like pop alt weirdness but they can do both like upbeat and slow music and their nonsense lyrics actually do make sense if you pay attention to the total lyrics and like not and like look past just the bippity boppity fun vibe hmm I think I uh, heard one of their songs the other day actually it came through on YouTube probably because they also collaborated with AGR's version of Record Player which is a song of theirs Mm. But yeah, I James, what do you got? Um, uh, honestly, for me, I'm gonna have to say Jane Austen. Uh, I think her contributions to literature and like art as a whole, um, are unmatched in certain capacities. Uh, I think she. Like her writing is incredibly fun to read, um, but it's also very smartly written and complex. And it also comes off as natural. So she managed to balance so many disparate elements in her work. And it's like, she's she's like one of my favorite artists of all time. So I'm gonna have to say like Jane Austen, for sure. Nice. Yeah, I one of the things that drew me to this question as an icebreaker was a the fact that we are dudes. The show is, uh, hang on, what episode is? 
This show is 160 seconds, seconds of 163rd dudes with a single episode actually featuring any women on it. And when I first saw this question, I was like, it stumped me for a minute. Like, one of those, like, the minute you ask the question, you can't think of an answer. And I was like, oh, damn. We should answer this. Yeah, I like that. It's definitely... You're right, it is... I mean, to be fair, like, most of the people we know are guys. And I'm sure there are some girls that we could invite, like, on on, on the cast if we wanted to, to cast. But at the same time, you know... It ruined the vibe. Boys only. <laughs> you clearly need to go back and listen to the episode I re- uh, that had women on it then. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know which one had women on it. Which uh, look for that? the description where we recommend shredded cheese out of the bag. Oh, cool. Okay. It's, it's the one where we recorded James, had that awesome episode about Mars and being the new Garden of Eden, and I fucking forgot to hit record. Oh, the lost episode. It's the lost F week. Oh. No way. All right. I'll have to scroll back. So are you saying there were there was a girl, like there was an actual girl on this podcast? Or two. you said my guests that week were two women that I worked real. with. Wow. Genuine woman. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So we nobody gotta, can we bitch and moan that we're sexist because we had women on the show. Boom, roasted. Yeah. <laughs> we brought them on once. <laughs> Stop check that lying. diversity checkbox right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> Where's my tax cut? Where's the break? <laughs> no, I, I agree, though. Like, there's there's a lot of, I do think, um, like, I don't know, a lot of stuff is, like, made by guys, but there's also a lot of stuff that's obviously, like, made by girls, and there are plenty of, like, uh, fantastic people who've made amazing, amazing, amazing things that are also, uh, like, women as well. And I do think, I don't know, like, I do think it it can sometimes get a little heavy. Like, sometimes I think we focus too much on the fact that it's, like, it's, like, oh, my God, isn't it amazing that there are women and they made these things? It's That, to me, always feels a little sort of, like, pedantic. I think it's just enough to say, like, wow, it's really cool that, like, she made this thing that nobody else could have made, just like anybody else. So... Yeah, I, I admire the initiative, RJ. I think that's uh, that's very it's a very nice choice. Thanks. There you go. I'll take my soapbox back now. Thank you very much. I have other street corners to go to. Hey, you <laughs> you bring that back? That's still got my soap in it. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> I need the soap to clean my cats. No, you need the oh soap God. to clean your mouth up for swearing, young man. Yeah. Hey, Dad. Jeez. Dad, cut it out, yeah. Dad. I'm trying to do my chores. And that guy stole our soapbox. Did you guys ever have your mouth washed out with soap? Um, um, no, I don't think so. I tried it once just to see. Same. Um, oh. But I don't think anybody did it to me. Uh, I think the secret was I grew up in a house that didn't use bar soap, which mm. meant they couldn't just like stick the bar soap in math, you know? Like, yeah. Because that's the thing, I like think... the Christmas story movie, where, like, you gotta wash his mouth out with soap, and they stick the bar of soap in his mouth and let him just sit there with it. Compared to, like, how do you how do you wash a kid's out kid's mouth out with soap if it's just, like, pump hand soap, where it's like, here's this goo, hold it in your mouth, but don't swallow it. Yeah. You rub this around think... on your tongue, it's gonna be disgusting, but don't eat it. I had, I had, I think I had my mouth washed out with soap once, but I can't remember if it was bar soap or liquid soap. It's a good point. I, I don't remember how it would have been done if it was liquid soap, but 
You remember our senior um, year on swim team when a guy tried to wash his mouth out with soap to get a pepper out of it? Oh, I felt so bad for him. Yeah, I do remember God. that. That's that was brutal. That, that was, was tough. So bad. Well, he jumped in the pool to try and try and drink the water, but the problem is, is that water, like water, just makes it worse because it spreads all around. And it was chlorinated. So, wow, that's just a really bad plan here. So, <laughs> if I remember correctly, guy brought a ghost pepper to our mm-hmm. last swim meet, or like second Good to last, start. something like that. Good start. And was like. Hey, do you do you dare me to eat this? Do you dare me to take a bite out of this? Do you dare me to eat this? And I'll, like literally, no one on the team did. We were all just like, "No, don't do it. Why are you doing this? No, stop. Why?" And he did it, and he like took a big old bite out of it, not knowing what he was about to do, and then jumped in the pool to try and wash it off. Went to my mother, who was there, who has some medical background. And she was like, oh, uh, hey, brother of the kid, give him the last, give him your brownie. Like, give him the last bite of your brownie to try and, like, get it off his tongue. The little brother looked my mom dead in the eye, popped the last bite of brownie in the mouth, and walked away. Wow. Just an utter power move. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh! I didn't and know about that. That is amazing. So, my mom tells him, like, oh, go wash your, like, go wash your hands with soap, with soap and water. Wash around your mouth with soap and water because, you know, the the oil from peppers gets on your hands and around your mouth. So, like, that just keeps making it worse. And you're going to, like, mm-hmm. rub your eyes and make that burn. Like, so you got to clean, wash that all off. And he took it to mean wash his mouth out. And so he was using, like, one of those hand bathroom, like, foam pump things trying to wash his mouth and out. <sighs> I hope he's doing yeah, okay. I- I felt bad. I felt bad for him. I was like, oh man, that's brutal. Um, There's one, it's a moment where like, it's, it's funny in telling the story because it's like, oh God, that's so dumb. But there's also that moment of like living through it. It's okay. This is dumb. This is dumb. This is funny and dumb, funny and dumb. Now this is just kind of sad. Yeah. (laughs) I want to, we should all, we should all eat a ghost pepper together and see what happens what do you mean i'm dumb what is that don't do that why would you say you know how rude that is you come into my house i tell this story to you about how bad it is cautionary tale i tell this cautionary tale as john rightly (laughs) states about how you shouldn't just munch down on a ghost pepper and you come into my house and say hey we should all eat a ghost pepper and the first thing you say about completion of the cautionary tale is let's go do that thing that we shouldn't do Cautionary tales are just they're they're low grade encouragement. You disrespect like, me and my family. They're really just thinly veiled reverse psychology. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's more of a persuasive essay than anything, really. In this <clears> TED <throat> talk, I will convince you. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just listed all the consequences, and you decided you were okay with those consequences. So <laughs> you know what? That's a good point, John. That's a really good point, James. I, you go ahead. You do it. You've been warned, and you accept that warning. I think I'm gonna combine two of these ideas. I'm literally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because for, for TED talks, you can like buy a TEDx talk, and you can do it like yourself. You know what I mean? So you can yeah. go to one of those things and do it. 
And I think I'm really just going to bring a bucket of ghost peppers and eat them on stage and buy it. Like, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, but you got to talk with it. Right. So like, you got to tell the story while yeah. you're eating the ghost peppers. I no, I don't think I'm going to tell. Oh yeah. I should try to do something. Like you got to try to get should... through that specific story while eating the ghost peppers to prove a point. I, I, I <laughs> to prove you're weak. It's either strong. I that or I'll do like a really bad Jerry Seinfeld impression. I'll try to get my way through a whole one of like Jerry's uh, like stand up set. You can like, use my stand up set from last week's episode. Oh really? <laughs> did you really let me do that? Yeah, you go for it. You do an entire Jerry Seinfeld set up set about cars and how they they're magic. Oh, the why don't car go? Yeah, why don't out. car go? <laughs> <laughs> Off of Mitchell's seminal second album, Why Don't Car Go was a groundbreaking <laughs> comedy bit. Uh, it really made you think. Why, Why don't, don't car, car go? go? Why don't they go? Where do they go? And then, like, as I'm doing, but the thing is, I'm eating ghost peppers, so it's like I have to take breaks to cry and, like, vomit and stuff like that. <laughs> as, so I'm doing it, so it's like, why don't blah, 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 car go? It's a 15 minute talk, and at minute seven, you collapse and they call an ambulance. <laughs> and that's all I can keep saying. Why? Why don't they go? <laughs> My God. He's. he's unfortunately just the sheer the sheer power of a seinfeld comedy bit mixed with the absolute toxicity of at least eight peppers has rendered him neurologically incapable of sounding like anyone else other than jerry seinfeld he somehow had he's, an aneurysm and a he's, stroke he's stuck like this for the rest of his life what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about with this ambulance how's What's it go the deal? With crippling neurological disorders. I don't get it. <laughs> Why do we suck? <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, let's move on to our next segment. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> uh, our next segment is Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Who would like to start? Mm, I can I can go. Okay. I can do it. Um... I am going to recommend uh, this movie called My Dinner with Andre, uh, which is from 1981. It's kind of a it's kind of a famous movie, um, sort of. Uh, it's it stars only two people. It's um, this uh, this theater director uh, uh, named Andre Gregory and uh his friend whose name is wallet wally or wallace it's wallace sean wallace sean is the the inconceivable guy from um yeah right yeah from Princess Bride. yeah he's and he's wrecked he's the sicilian he's uh so uh wally is this like playwright and actor who's been invited out to dinner by uh, his friend uh, Andre, who is uh, an incredibly famous um, theater theater director, who uh, kind of disappeared like a few years ago and went on kind of like this big journey of sort of self discovery. And the whole movie basically revolves around one single conversation, a single dinner that the two of them have, and it is literally like it is basically a podcast because it is literally just these two. A lot of it is Andre talking, but Wallace chimes in near the end third of the movie, and that is where I think it gets like kind of good. Um, How long is the movie? 
the movie is a little over two hours long. Oh, wow. So it's it's a little kind of pretentious. Like some of Andre's like musings are kind of like outdated and sort of like pseudo philosophical and very like effete. Very much like I think we're all living in a society and autom- we're all automatons and we're turned off and blah, blah, blah. And it's like it, does it's it, does it just is mm-hmm. it just them eating dinner the entire time or is it like cut to flashbacks and stuff? No, it's literally just them eating dinner. And it, and it was they were going to originally direct it as a play, but they decided it would work better as a film. So I recommend it because I think it's a very interesting movie. And I do think despite some of the more like artistic sort of like pretensions, I do think it's actually pretty enjoyable to watch. It's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, there, there's there's a great conversation near the end of it between the two of them when Wally for a while, Wally is kind of just like there to ask Andre a question and then Andre will go off on like a 10 minute monologue near the end he starts like becoming more active in the conversation and that's where it's like interesting i kind of wish the whole movie was like that but um yeah i i I would recommend uh my dinner with andre you can find it on hbo max then you can get it from amazon or apple as well but it's uh it's a really uh it's kind of it's it's kind of a neat film uh pretty simple again a little pretentious but uh something to throw on if you want to kind of just say you've seen it or see something that is kind of unlike a lot of other movies. Isn't nice. there a, a community episode that references it? Yes, there right is. With Abed. There is, okay. yes, directly. And it was kind of insane because, like, seeing that episode like several times and watching my dinner with Andre, I was like, wow, uh, Danny Pudi as like Abed really nailed like Andre's like speech and mannerisms, like, very, very. Uh, it's still, it's a little exaggerated because it's basically just like an impression, but very good. So yeah, there is a there is a uh, an episode that mirrors that. Yeah. So if you've seen the episode, you've basically seen the movie. <laughs> in a way, kind in a way, yeah, it, sort of. Because that's part of the episode is that they uh, Jeff and Abed go to dinner, and Jeff is like paying, and they're getting food and whatnot, and Abed's going off doing the whole thing. What Abed doesn't know is that they're planning a surprise party themed around Pulp Fiction for him, and mm-hmm. Jeff is just distracting him. Jeff gets all, like, through the dinner with everyone just waiting, and flips out on Abed that Abed's been pretending to be in a film, and, like, doing the film bit when everyone else, like, his actual friends have been waiting for him. Yeah, well, yeah, he's trying to get Abed to come to the dinner. Because like Abed had like some some moment of like he had like an identity crisis and he's like no longer like interested in referencing movies or anything like that. He's like sort of moved on, um, and that's where he sort of embodies a little bit of like Andre's character. It's a pretty fun episode. It's it's a great uh, some great like cut betweens, but uh, with a great yeah. ending joke. Yes, if do you remember that? I actually. I don't. I remember something that happens at the end, so but the I end, don't remember the, the end. End, joke. The final like closing joke is Troy and Abed go to the back to the restaurant and oh. eat and get done. And yeah, Troy says something like, "You." They said it was market price. What market do you shop at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then Abed like wipes his mouth and he's like, "I'm going to." 
Let's run. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Nice. Yeah. My dinner with Andre. John, would you like to go next or shall I? I don't know. Um, so this weekend I discovered a new, it's kind of a podcast, but it's like on YouTube. Oh. Um, actually, I haven't checked if it's on other platforms yet. Um, but it's called Dead Wax. Okay. Um, and it's put on by, uh, oh man, let me, I, I should have come prepared. I'm sorry. You're all good. Um, it's put on, I think his name is Jack Conte. Okay. Um, he's the CEO of Patreon and oh. he's in two bands, um, Pomplamoose and Scary Pockets. <laughs> so him and his friend put on this, uh, this podcast where they just like geek out about music production. Huh. And like, there was one about um, Tame Impala's "The Less I Know, the Better," where mm-hmm. they just kind of like picked apart the melody and went over, it and they were like, "This is so cool." Um, they had one where they uh, interviewed the guy who mixed "Born in the USA" by Bruce Springsteen originally, like way back for the um, production release. Oh wow! Um, they had like Phoebe Bridger's production team on. And talked about what it's like working with her, what it's like making the music, how they do it. Hmm. So it's very fun, and they love what they do, and they love talking to their guests. So, <laughs> and you said it's called Dead Wax. I like it. Dead Wax on YouTube. And they just discuss like music production, basically, or that's or like specific the whole events. Yeah, okay. it, every episode's a little bit different depending on okay. what they want to cover. Um, like they, their most recent one was a mayor. Um, I see, and I'm really yeah. fascinated by the fact that they're talking to like the production people of like, Hey, you mixed mm-hmm. born in the USA. Tell me about that. Or the Phoebe Bridgers production team, where it's kind of like, these are the people who like musicians make the magic happen. You, the musician doesn't necessarily demand all the extra assistance. Like they can put out a song and sing a song and play a song like they can do the music part but like all the other things that go into particularly the professional music industry of editing and production and all those kinds of things and mixing and arranging and like those are the people that know what the shit is and like i don't i like phoebe Phoebe bridgers so like i I don't want them to like talk shit talk shit but it's kind of that like okay we know what the, the the artist is going to say the artist stuff. Artist is going to say they love the fans. Artist is going to say they do it for the fans. Artist is going to do the whole artist thing. What do the production people have to say? What is their experience like? Like, they are just as vital, but they yeah. don't have to worry about the fame. Yeah. So it, it kind of pulls back the curtain a bit on what the process is like, too. And it's like... These are the people behind super famous things, and they're kind of just people who get excited and nerd out about things. <laughs> nice. That's cool. That's really cool to see. That's basically everything, though, isn't it? Is no matter what it is, somewhere behind the scenes, someone is just nerding out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best stuff is just made by people who get excited about something for a little bit, and then they kind of put it together. That's sort of that's the dealio. Nice. I'm going to take us back in the movie direction. 
And I'm going to recommend Air Force One. Oh, I've never seen this movie. Is uh, it good? It's on Netflix. It's it's good. It's very good. Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford. Um, yeah. Get off of my play. The CGI <laughs> yeah. is dated. Okay. Um, be aware of that. They don't use it often, but there is at least one instance right near the end of the movie where the plane is crashing and it was just like, ooh, ooh, that was rough, folks. Like, I know that's cutting edge for when you made this or as close as you could get, but ooh, Tron looked better. It's like in the 90s, right? Yeah. Dang. But Tron was easy because everything was digital, RJ. True. The rub is when you have to mix realism and (laughs) CGI. Yeah, the... Because the scene is a plane crashing into, like, a lake or ocean or some shit. But, like, the plane hits the water and tumbles at, like, uh, the end in a way that it's like, oh, that's not how that would work. That's not, the plane would not hit at that angle and fall in that way. Like, it just doesn't look natural. And it's still moving forward a little bit too fast. Like, they could have probably done model work and it would have been okay. Uh, it, it really depends. I mean, like, like sometimes those might work, but there are limitations to it. And the nineties was also when people were like, had accessible CGI for the first time. So a lot of studios were really trying to like, utilize find, it. I, yeah, I bet, I bet when it came out, it probably didn't look great, but I bet it, it's still, people were still like, Whoa, like that's crazy. And now it just kind of looks sort of like, wow, that's really bad. Yeah, but the entire rest of the film is good, and they did a pretty good, like, it's not the, I mean, it's not, it, it's an era of action film, and like, adventure film, or spy film, or political thriller, or whatever you want to call it, but mm-hmm. the, like, back in that day, you didn't need your hero to be a fucking kung fu master, wrestling master, kickboxing master, can take on 50 guys at once and win level action hero. He wasn't Jason Bourne. It wasn't a White House Down level of, I'm gonna take out all the bad guys. It was, I'm a president who has some prior military service flying helicopters, so I kind of know how to shoot a gun. Better than most people. Because, like, yeah, he wins, but there it's never a, like, it's never a, oh, Harrison Ford's got this. Like, you know he's got it because he's the hero and he's Harrison Ford, but there's little to no fights where he just, like, destroys people. He gets messed up. Which is all the better for it. Um... Also, Glenn Close is a female vice president. That was really interesting to watch now. And to kind of think of like, oh, back in that time, that like the way she was getting treated by all the other White House staff and like all the other important people in the room, it was just kind of like, ooh, guys, you, ooh, that's showing you're 20 huh. years old a little bit. Oh, really? So it's yeah. not like, um, because it's not even like the, uh, the like they're doing it initially and then they and then she comes in as like a girl power thing it's like it's just like straight out 
like, yeah, sexist, it, basically. It, it's basically <laughs> straight-up sexist, and she never comes in as, like, a girl power thing, but she okay. doesn't back down. Okay. Which I thought was really cool, in that, like, because the, there's some conflict in the war room of, like, who's in charge because the president's incapacitated. Is it the vice president, or is it the chief military whatever, department of defense, whatever it is, mm-hmm. because it's technically a military situation. And there is a sheet that goes around where, like, oh, all the, all the high-ranking people need to sign the sheet for power of uh, command to transfer over to the guy... And her vice presidency is, the, like, the last person to sign. And, like, it's handed over, like, hey, you're the last signature. Sign this. I'll take control of the situation. And we'll be good. And it's one of those, like, she's about to sign, and then a good thing happens. And she, like, just kind of closes the folder and slides it away. And it's like, no. We hold out. I believe in the president. So, like... Dang. Just kind of that quiet resistance. But there's straight-up comments about, like you're not really in charge and like what like the terrorists are t- telling about how she's sweating through her suit or whatever and she's like oh guys this is like the terrorists are doing it her own war room is doing it it's um, it wasn't great but it was also really good like it was bad in a way that was a appropriate for the time b re- easily recognizable of like if you, if you didn't pay any attention, you'd look at it and be like, oh man, this movie's sexist and these people are sexist and it's all sexist. And you want, like, if you think about it for an extra five seconds, like, hey, yeah, there is sexism, sexism here. Not, you can't deny that. But there is also, like, it's a good de- demonstration of how that sexism was impactful, like, the way it impacted at the time. And it's a good benchmark of, here's what it was. Let's look at where we are. Look, we've grown. It's kind of cool. That's a, I think that's a good perspective to take on it, for sure. And plus, again, I've heard it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, like the... Because um, uh, Harrison Ford and the villain... Um, The villain is played by Gary Oldman. Wow. So the cast is actually pretty good. Yeah, it sounds... It does sound kind of like a Die Hard clone a little bit. Oh, it is. Sounds like an attempt at one, but do you think it's, like, original enough to where it's like, yeah, this is worth it? Um, I haven't seen Die Hard. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm not a good... Um, good thing it's almost Christmas. True. <laughs> hey, look at you. This guy knows. <laughs> um, so, uh, based on what I do know of Die Hard, I will say it is a Die Hard clone. However, it is unique enough and set up enough and has enough like good one-liners that I think it's distinct enough to watch on its own. Okay, that's and nice. I'll, there's I'll some cool, like... I don't know about subversion, but there's some cool, like, little, like, oh, the terrorists know all this shit, but they didn't think of this, of, like, the terrorists have control of the phones, how can we call out for help? And then some, like, secretary is, like, um, 
but the fax machines and Harrison Ford's like, no, they got the phones. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. The fax machines are encoded on a separate line so we can fax out. They only have the encryption for the phone lines. They don't have the encryption for the fax machines. And Harrison Ford's character's like, if we get out of this, you're Postmaster General. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, that was another interesting part is, like, again, it's 95, I think. And so it's diversity in Hollywood is not a focus. But that character is played by a black played by a black woman. And I can't think of any other like significant people of color in the entire film. Wow. Yeah. So overall, like good film, fun film. And had some like really interesting stuff with like the family and the we don't negotiate with terrorists. But actually you spend the entire time negotiating with terrorists. <laughs> Hey, sometimes <laughs> we don't always negotiate with terrorists, unless the CIA saw. We do. We're just getting all the really good cocaine money out of it. Yeah, shh, we don't talk about that part. <laughs> oh fuck. All right, so our next segment, How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question this week, how often do you properly wash your face? With the further details, with actual face wash and hot water for like at least a minute, I washed my face with the real stuff this morning, gift for birthday for the first time and realized I may have never actually done it before in my life. Mm. I almost never use face wash. Face wash. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I ever have in like, my entire life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, I'll use my like shampoo or whatever, you know, like, I'll, like, Oh, you know, it'll get sudsy and then I'll wipe that around my, like my face and stuff. And then kind of like, down around but no I, I don't really use um i don't really use face wash i feel like i've used a dedicated <laughs> face wash one time in my life just as like oh i've got this let's try it and i never did it again and my face has basically been fine since so like yeah you don't need to no, and you got to be careful too. I mean, it's like the thing where they say like you should technically you should you should almost take you know you should take a shower probably obviously almost every day, um, but you should not shampoo almost every day or condition. And Fuck it's probably the same thing I bet with your face. I fully so, disagree with you on that, James. It's like it's it's like it's entirely dependent on how greasy your hair gets that's i that's very fair but at the same time i'm telling you this right now because like i i had to do it once where like i went a couple weeks doing this and my hair was insanely greasy and then after that it stopped and like i understand maybe like if your hair is just naturally like greasy if it just has those oils in it more then yeah then use the shampoo or the conditioner but i i do believe it's been proven that like using those suppresses natural oil production and then 
that is what causes your hair to get ridiculously greasy when you go like a day without showering and, or without using. That's fine. Problem is, I can't go more than like 24 hours because once I do, my scalp also starts to like get super fucking itchy and then I will literally like scratch it until I start bleeding. Uh, then have some self-control, Arce. Are you an animal? My God. I am. I'm a wolf. <laughs> Didn't you know that? Wow, that's actually pretty cool, dude. <laughs> yeah, I keep biting at people. Like, I'm a talking wolf, and I've got this dude that I just, like, bite at to get him to set up the podcast stuff. You ever see that video of the guy who's dressed up in, like, the wolf ears? And he's, like, standing no. on the edge of the uh, bridge or whatever? And he's, like, on all levels but physical, I am a wolf. And then he barks. You ever see that oh, or God, not? I saw the, I saw, uh, I saw yep. the picture of it. Oh, uh, it's perfect. Oh, well, it's... you're getting a link to it. Oh, <laughs> I'm not against furries. I'm against people Incoming. who are furries and weird about it. I don't think that it's not, that's not quite a furry. That's more like one of, what do they call them? Is like Therians or something. It's like people who like, they don't, they're not, they're either like the stage past the fursuit where they've evolved past the need for it. Or they're right before it. It's like the the people who like pretend they're wolves or whatever, you know. Look, I'm all for a game of make believe. I play Dungeons and Dragons. Just don't bring that shit out into the rest of the world, man. No, like I don't actually walk around thinking I'm a robot bard who can like make fireballs shoot out of my loot. Like that's a valid form of. I gotta function in the human society. It's a valid form of sexual expression. It's a no way fetish, and we're writing it law that people can wear their fursuits to work next year so you better get ready I didn't vote for you <laughs> this is the future the liberals want this is this is the liberal agenda <laughs> this is the liberal no agenda oil. he says as the ears are poking out of his back pocket yeah no oil anymore my accountant is dressed up as a fucking fox what's going on what's happening why didn't they invite me? <laughs> why didn't they? Why does no one want me to be in their furry fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. Fucking wash your face if you want. Yeah. There you go. Do our, it. Our next question: What are the odds Zelensky survives the war? With the further details, what do you give Ooh. the percent odds he survives the war? Um, well, because he's a paid actor and the whole thing is staged to further the interests of a global capital, probably a lot. <laughs> no, just kidding. I think it's like a 50-50 shot. I think I could definitely mm-hmm. see him getting, getting murked, um, as like one final, like, fuck you. Um, I could also definitely see him like surviving and kind of becoming the new face of sort of a, a burgeoning, uh, western european sentiment in eastern europe i i give him closer to like 80 80 20 he survives like i think he'll survive i think there's a significant chance putin might take him out but i think that there's a better than good odds he survives because he made it this far right like if he was gonna die he's gonna die back in like august or some shit and like there's still a chance he could die there's still shit blowing up. They're still at war. But, like, considering the amount of support he's gotten and how much Ukraine has pushed back, like, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I... Th- I th- yeah. What are your odds, John? 
I don't I don't really know enough to know. I haven't been doing the war. John can't legally say because he's actually been hired to kill Zelensky, so he can't really. It would be like an insider trading thing. Yeah, right, he, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No comment, as it were. John's not allowed to Hope comment due to his Russian ties. Yeah. <laughs> nah, no problem. That's the best guy. Wow, what was that, John? That was crazy. Where'd that come from? Whoa. <laughs> Chill out, dude. It just comes out. Bozmoy. Bozmoy. Rasvetel. Dasvidanya. Dasvidanya. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I know a few I know a few lyrics in Russian to a song. And that, then I know how to do like I know how to like just speak Russian gibberish and like the Call of Duty voice, I guess. But that's 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 about it. <laughs> Our next question: What is the Ohio of your country? With the further details, in my case, Manitoba. Ohio is the Ohio of our country. Yeah, we're the OGs. What? We're the OG. We're the OG country with the OG Ohio. Okay. <laughs> well, I, okay. That's not what. What is that? What is that controversial? I, I just. I guess I made it. So, I'm more confused guess, than anything. <laughs> what do you mean? How is that confusing? That that I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I concur. I mean, once you explain it, like it makes sense. It was just like. I think it's the 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 phrasing and the wording you used is the non sequitur aspect, not the logic. Well, we're the OG country with the OG Ohio. Yeah. I'll I'll try I'll work on that. I'll try not to use I'm not saying the problem's with you, I'm saying it's me. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. <laughs> that sounds facetious. That doesn't sound like you're being honest with me or you. No maybe maybe James, you're just the Ohio of this podcast. What That's does that even mean? <laughs> I don't want to have. I'm. The, you take that fucking back. I'm sorry. You I take, take it back. James back. is not the Ohio of this podcast. Yeah, James is the Florida of this podcast. <laughs> I knew you were gonna fucking say that. I almost said it myself. <laughs> Look, can Florida. you blame me? Because I'm never gonna let it go that you literally talked about how you lived in a dumpster and ate babies. Oh, that's true. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, James. Babies. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, you know, it's not my fault, all right? It's like, That you, you know, decided to make jokes about eating children? I kind, I think it kind of is your fault. Nah, I was, uh, I was under demonic possession at that time. I can't be held responsible for my actions. <laughs> if you'll talk to my exorcist, he can corroborate the entire story. <laughs> you just keep an exorcist on call? Yeah, I was legally possessed from 2018 to 2022. Legally? So, um, so you signed a yeah, contract. legally. Wait. Well, no. Up until when in 2022? <clears throat> what? I don't. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> That's I, crazy. I, don't, I, I don't even That's know crazy, what we're talking man. about. Yeah, I've been in a fugue state for the past eight months. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> uh, how would you know to say that? Relatable content. Um. <laughs> that's what, yeah there's one guy who's like oh my god they're just like me 
It's me. Yes, we are. It's Walter White. (laughs) (laughs) Your God. I've actually never seen that movie or that uh, show. I've seen one episode of that show. I watched Uh watched part of episode one. I got most of the way through it, and I was like, eh, I don't need to watch this. It's a show. I just finished Better Call Saul the actual week, or the other week, actually. I heard Um, great things. The prequel series. Yeah, I've heard it's very good. Yeah, I thought Saul was better. It had better character work, but uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are bad. It's literally just one of those ones where like I was still living at home when I started to watch it, and I realized like I can't watch this with my siblings around. They were my youngest sibling was too young at the time. Oh yeah, no. And so it was kind of like okay, well, eh, this is just too much work. It is a lot of work. It is in many ways a boring show and people love it despite that but fair <laughs> well, Very Bob what is log yeah Bob Odenkirk is very good our next question what makes using NPCs and turntables as instruments to make music any different than using guitars and drums to make music with the further details I usually see rock fans say use quote use a real instrument unquote suggesting that NPCs and turntables aren't instruments, or saying, quote, pick up a real music talent, unquote, whenever musicians choose to use NPCs and disc jockeys to make their music. Is performing live with NPCs and turntables not a real music talent or something? Um, clarification. Yes. What does NPC stand for? I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking up right now. An NPC... Uh, a music production center is a series of music workstations. So it's basically it's one of the things with all the buttons on it where you can sample it. Essentially, oh. it's it's it's, it's like you have all the. Oh, okay. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's I mean... it's what's on Darth Vader's chest. <laughs> <laughs> do 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 do. Walking yeah. down the hallway, pounding uh, yeah. out the uh, Imperial. You guys want to listen to my SoundCloud rap? <laughs> I, I don't really want to... Pull it up now or I'll choke you out with the force. Okay, okay. That's <laughs> yeah, um, pretty fire. I feel like the the thing I get with it is like, yes, NPCs and turntables and like synthesizers and digital music is still used to make music. Mm-hmm. I would counter that there is different you have to understand music but there's a different like section of your brain that you're using i i would yeah i mean sort of like different different knowledge base required right of like using a guitar and playing an instrument in that way is more akin to like i don't know it's it's the, it's the well, difference between digital and physical art, like painting, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can still make art digitally, and it's beautiful and gorgeous, but it's a different set of skills that are just far enough removed. Like, it's still art, but it's not that art. Yeah, you need, like, all of the... You need the foundational theory still for both branches. It's just a different mechanical aspect of executing... And I think, yeah, I would, you know, I would agree. I think off that point too, John, is the ease at which you can do so. Of like, 
I mean, yeah, live music is live music. You can't you can't fuck up with live music, but particularly when it comes to recording and things, so much like yeah, you can do double takes and multiple takes of a song, but when you're recording with an instrument, it's kind of like okay, I gotta sit down, I gotta play this right. I'm gonna get worn out and exhausted because I'm trying to like control my breath or my fingers get messed up or whatnot. And with the like digital stuff with an MPC, it's oh. I gotta push this button at the right time. I'm gonna slide this thing at the right time. And so, like... Yeah. There's a lot of prep that goes into getting your boards and everything ready for that. Um, Also, like, uh, playing through one take um, for, like, traditional physical instruments is very much usually a myth. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's so much post-production done to make things sound better and to fill in, like, gaps or mistakes. So, so so it's real talent, and it's real music talent, but it is a different music talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it's is. harder for the average person to understand. Like, it's like you said with physical and digital art, like, if you're just a lay who doesn't really know much about art, you would assume digital art is way easier. Um just because you don't have to worry about like dealing with physical media anything like that but like you can't fuck up a canvas the same way you can like right. mess up on a digital thing like there's no undo button on a canvas right um yeah and like the average person gets that it takes skill and talent to play the guitar you know um but like they don't necessarily know everything that goes into the digital side I think you bring up a good point there of the, like, the average person understands the physical aspect, like, the the skill it takes on the guitar, and with making a mistake, particularly, again, going back to, like, the kind of the live thing, is you said that, like, there's so much pre-production and pre-setup that you have to do to get your soundboard set up, that with a guitar, you tune the guitar. Like, that's your Mm -hmm. setup. But then if you make a mistake, you make a mistake in the playing and I feel like there's a not zero chance but there's a lessened chance of those similar mistakes while playing a live show because it's based on what you've set up ahead of time so if you do your setup right you kind of set yourself up for success in doing it live versus with the guitar you can't really like preset things so that you don't make a mistake or don't play the wrong note right and I mean you could still definitely mess up on an NPC yeah. or <laughs> turntable. Um, I think uh, I'm going to segue a little bit away too, but I think it might be the kinds of that you generally get when you use NPCs and turntables, like more of the electronic, more of the house, more mm-hmm. of the EDM. Like that just doesn't resonate with as wide of an audience as, or I guess you kind of pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. I would say. And I think that led some bias to, like, saying, use a real instrument, because the person who's criticizing just doesn't like that kind of music. True. And I think, like you said, you're, you end up pitching a hole yourself, where a lot of the music, like, for example, the Beatles. There are people that don't like the Beatles, that's fine. But it's a lot easier to point to the Beatles and say, like, yeah, you may not like their songs, but they're catchy as hell and they know what they're doing with the instruments. Compared yeah. to 
digital music, electronic music, EDM, like the only EDM artists I can name are like Daft Punk and Skrillex. <laughs> I don't know if um, either of those are EDM artists. I don't either. <laughs> I don't think they are. Whatever they do, it's digital music, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Skrillex is dubstep and who knows? Punk counts as. I believe it's performing arts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I think it goes back also to like uh, compare that to orchestral music and like Bach and the the older the old old music, the classics, where it's like, yeah, it's not common music anymore, but we still hold it up as valued and significant. And when rock and roll was coming around, people looked at rock and roll and were like, ah, that's not real music. This is real music when you play in an orchestra. But despite that, like, disagreement about what was considered real music, they both still used instruments. And, like, they're very clearly like, this is an instrument. Like, guitars have been around for a while. So it's, yeah. If you don't have an answer at this point, uh, we can't help you. <laughs> James, any last thoughts? Uh, no, I think you guys pretty much said it. I do think it comes down to execution and the types of music you guys want to play um, or anyone wants to play. Uh, and I just like how you experience it. Um, reminds me of like, <clears throat> there are some people who say that like with writing, they don't count writing on the computer as writing. They count that as like typing because uh, it's not actually, stupid. it's the idea that you're not actually physically writing something down. And I will say like having done both, like uh, it is nice when you're writing, uh, like I will go back and forth, like we're all you know, write some stuff just straight down with just a pen and um, like a notebook because it's, it is, it does just, force you to slow down and think and yet you can still access like a, a pretty vital like uh quickness of thought but it's also really nice because i can type way faster than i can write with a pen so it really does come down to sort of like what you're looking to get out of your music i think a good musician will be able to do both mm -hmm. yeah um no matter what and understand those fundamentals like john said so ultimately I think it's um, it is about that balance. But yeah. All right. Our next question. Be honest. How often do you clean your toilet? With the further details, I'm talking about like actually scrubbing it with a toilet brush. Well, what what else would you do? Again, mm, flush it. Dump Drano. <laughs> oh, so, well, that happens less often. Uh dump like toilet bowl cleaner in it that's a that's yeah. cleaning it and then uh yeah flushing it i guess Flu I mean, if you're not <laughs> flushing it every time you we need to talk and by that i mean don't talk to me <laughs> by that, I mean, stay away from me <laughs> dang look Flush man, your toilets, folks it's courteous i'm all for like conscious ecological sustainability like don't just burn shit to burn shit. Be be smart about our resource usage and be tactical about it. I'm not gonna fucking let it mellow to save one extra gallon of water. Fuck that shit. I'm gonna flush the toilet. That's fair. 
Um, and I, I probably use a toilet brush like once or twice a month. Maybe. I just give it a little scrub. Yeah. Give it a little scrub so it doesn't get too bad. Just kind of try and keep it generally clean. Because you never know when you might have guests over. That's very true. <clears throat> yeah, like, it's maybe twice a month, maybe. John? Um, probably about once a month. I I actually never do it. My roommate does it. <laughs> John, John is so... someone to do it for him. No. I have, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, next question. Our next question. How would you handle a bug in your partner's food? With the further details, if your partner had a bug in their food at a restaurant, would you demand your food be comped? Would you be angry? Uh, It's kind of up to them. Yeah. yeah like, I think you, like, first the question would be, like, do you even want to eat here? Like, should we just go? Um, like, and then if it's like a yes, then you leave. Um, I would hope that the person I'm with is a little bit more level-headed than that. They could just be like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll just get something else or whatever. Um, like, it happens. So. I think it also depends a little bit on how you find out the bug is there. Very true. Like, I think there's a difference between you, they bring out the plate, and you can see, like, the bug stick, like, sticking out of whatever the meal is, versus you cut up into your enchilada and you take a bite and you look down at your plate and there's half a cockroach sitting there. Oh yeah. That, that would be reason to go. Like if it's actually in the food. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like not, it's not, it's not that bad. It's like in the grand scheme of things, it's just sort of like, you know, it's, it's the a pretty bad intentionality of it. It is. It really is. It's just, it's just not, it's not a good look for a restaurant. I would, I would be irritated and upset, but I don't know that I'd ask my food to be comped. Like, I, I would, no, I'd wait to see, usually like they'll offer something, right? Like they'll, they might offer to comp you for it, like for your next meal, you know? Yeah. I just wouldn't demand anything. Cause like, if they're like, oh yeah, that. we're sorry about that. I'd just be like, all right. I think I'm just going to go down to the McDonald's and eat bugs there. <laughs> <laughs> Where I know there are going to be bugs. It may be bugs, but I know exactly what shape it's going to be in. It's going to be in the shape of those four four delicious nugs. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd probably, especially if it's like you bite into your slice of pizza and realize after you swallowed that you bit into a spider or something. Or it's just kind of like, mm, I'm done. I'm good. I'm going home now. I'll pay for the pizza. Yeah. Goodbye. It's tough. That's really gross. You'll be lucky if I come back in a year. <laughs> this grudge, I will be holding it forever. <laughs> you. You. I'll put it this way. If I don't notice the bug, I'm not going to complain about the bug. If I have like a crunch where there should not be a crunch, I'm going to complain. A little bit. 
and then probably be yeet myself off the face of the earth. Yeah. There you go. All right. That uh wraps it up for this week. Do you uh do you guys know what next week is? No. Next week is episode 164. But it's also mm-hmm. our Christmas episode. Dun dun dun. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Do <laughs> you you we're just going to sing carols for two hours, right? Oh, oh that's what we're just going to say carols. <laughs> we're oh just going to spoken Dashing word carols. <laughs> just In like William Shatner. <laughs> Over the fields we go, laughing all the way. All the way. <laughs> Bells on bombtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is. Okay, okay you got to save the content tonight. for next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't give them too much, Art. Got to give them a little tease. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. That's, that's fair. You gotta bait the hook, you know. Gotta start ending these podcasts on cliffhangers. I mean, yeah, I just cut off, do. cut off in the middle. Yeah. We've like a certain show. This is true. I, I'm not doing a two-parter though. Oh, man, dang. two-parter. Oof. I was I was looking through the history trying to find that Mars or episode, and I noticed a Mars episode part one. Is part two the lost one? I don't know. <laughs> I should probably know. What number is part one? <laughs> I'm looking again. It, it's quite old. Um, I think it's in the double digits. Episode 89. Episode 89? It's definitely not episode 89, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, let me... Called Mars Podcast 1. Oh, that's, <laughs> I don't think that's it's what we named our Mars Colonies. <laughs> okay. 89 is James, Calvin, and I all, like, if we became in charge of a Mars colony, what would we name it? And I totally forgot I about this. We, uh, yeah, we named some cities on Mars. And it was, like, Mars City 1, and then Mars City Alpha, and then Mars City some other number. Primary. Yeah, primary. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Mars City, cool, cool city. Cool City 426-9 city. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to that one. <laughs> the most boring bureaucratic place you've ever been. Yeah, yeah. Tricked ya. It's nothing but office buildings and they're all insurance companies. Uh, epi- no! The episode, no! I, ha- I have the episode where we featured uh, the only women to be on the show so far. It's episode 128, Emotional Support Shredded Cheese. Okay. Oh, I love that. We discussed the rapture on Mars, male stereotypes, martial arts, and connecting with dads. Oh, I'll give that a listen. Uh, you can all give it a listen, too. Food. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can, so thank you both for joining this week. Where am I? You're welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. Problem of in- You're welcome, James. Thank you for interrupting <laughs> me. Hey, thank you for having me too, RJ. Thank you, John. I appreciate that you're here. Hey, RJ. Yeah, James. Thank you for having. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're real welcome. Hey, RJ. Hey, John. Thank you for having James on this podcast this week. You're welcome, John. I'm glad you enjoyed his presence. RJ, thanks for having John on this podcast this week. You're welcome, James. Hey, John. Yeah. Thanks for being here, and thanks for uh, enjoying James's company. 
Hey, James. Hey, hey. Thanks. thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And thanks for enjoying John's company. Thank you. Hey, John. Yeah. Thanks for having an RJ here. Oh, yeah. No thanks. problem. <laughs> hey, RJ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. You found out. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us be here. <laughs> and for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we post our Meme Mondays and our Icebreaker questions. Our Twitter is at BetterBudCast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. If you send us letters, we will read them on air. Last but not least, be a better buddy. Wow, I'm learning a lot. Okay. Well, we We're could an do educational show, James. We could do all three. We could do all three. We We'd have to show. maybe change the order around. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, RJ just doesn't want to be like challenged on this. I see. He's I using his power as the podcast host Starting to the show deflect. In three, <laughs> he has emergency powers two. deflect conversation from this uncomfortable topic that he does not wish to talk about. One and a half. I'm exercising my power <laughs> as a podcast guest to delay the start of this podcast <laughs> One, and address the issue here. <laughs> three quarters. Filibuster. Filibuster. <laughs> Hello, and I'm welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. And with us this week, it's John. <laughs> We're going to have to retake that. I was talking over <laughs> you. <laughs> Okay. Uh.